0: Praise God! Uh, we've been going through the Book of Revelation, kind of jumped ahead a little bit and looked at uh, one of the verses, Revelation twenty-one eight last week. Uh, one of the titles there of, uh, you know, and it got into that. And we we're going to back up a little bit. And as I mentioned, we're going to cross reference with Daniel and so forth, which is I'm looking forward to that study. But we had a Q and A question and answer uh, deal last Wednesday night, so it was one of those things where whatever theological question you have on your heart, uh, you know, biblical question. Uh, go ahead and ask it, and we have people in the congregation asking, but we also have a lot of people watching by YouTube, a lot of people watching by Facebook, and so we took answers from YouTube, from Facebook, and from the group here. Uh, an, a question I got later, uh, after that, uh, from a brother uh, that I spent some time on the phone with, uh, was, the question is, who are the sheep, you know? Basically, how do you identify the sheep, or how uh, do you become a sheep, you know? Uh, there was a question he had, and... Uh, and that was the question, and I, and I wanted to go into a study. And I thought, you know what? I gave an answer on the phone. We probably talked, I don't know, half hour, 40 minutes or so. And uh, Saturday, like every day, I'm juggling a lot of things, but I was like, you know, giving a, a biblical answer. And, uh, and I decided, you know, what I was going to do is go through the Gospel of John and show passages where sometimes it sounds like it could be taken as though, if you don't understand the context, it could be understood as though God is like arbitrary in some way. And some people he just wants to be sheep and others he doesn't. And people are predestined from before the foundation of the world to be sheep and others are predestined to be damned or just not be sheep. And you really have no choice in your salvation to become one of the sheep or not. That's how many people read, unfortunately, the Gospel of John. And I was going to go through a lot of passages that show that those who are identified as his people throughout the Gospel of John that are given over to Jesus that the Father gives him because that's, that's the, that's, uh, and we'll get into that just a little bit, uh, get into the bigger question. I thought, man, that's going to be a very deep theological uh, uh, thing I'm going to go through. And I've already done a lot of study on that. And I've already been preparing a message. Actually, when I, had, when I was just getting COVID, isolated from my wife, thinking I maybe won't catch it from her. And then I got it. They're totally out of town. You know, uh, during that time, I was working on a study uh, on identifying that group of those who are given by the Father to Jesus. Who are they? What's going on there? And so, but I'm not going to preach that. I probably might preach that on a Wednesday, you know. Uh, I'm going to preach one that's similar, but more pertinent to his specific question is who are the sheep? How do you become one of the sheep? Okay. And I let him know, hey, you know what? I'll probably be preaching this on Sunday, uh, one of these things or both, but I'm going to focus more on who are the sheep and are you one? You want to make sure you're one of the sheep, amen? Because At the great day of judgment, when Jesus judges the nations, according to Matthew chapter 25, he will put, when the Son of Man comes, it says, Jesus said, in his kingdom, he will put on his right hand the sheep, amen? And on his left, he'll put the the goats, amen? And one way we can identify the sheep right there, in Matthew chapter 25, is Jesus said, I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink, amen? I was sick, and you visited visited me in the hospital, or visited me. I was in prison, and... And, you know, you visited me and so forth, you know. But uh, those who are on the left, the goats, which, by the way, in Satanism, they call Satanists the, the path of the... They, call it, they use the goat head, and they call it the left-hand path. No kidding. No kidding, that's a reality, okay? That's, you know, Keith Richards talks about the left-hand path, the lead, the, the, the lead writer and guitarist for the Rolling Stones all these years, who I think they're still in concert singing. We have... Your time is on our side, that song. I don't think so, you know. I don't think time is on their side anymore, you know. But they still can't get no satisfaction without Jesus, amen. So it's interesting uh, when you look at the big picture, uh, the, the goats are the ones who don't give drink to the thirsty, you know. They don't clothe the naked. They don't give gifts and blessings to others and they just think of themselves, you know. So when we're identifying the sheep and the goats and, and, and how do you become a sheep and can you become one of the sheep or are we just predetermined and there's no choice in the matter and you've either been chosen to be a sheep or a goat and we know most people go down that broad road to destruction so that means most people would be chosen to be goats so the odds would be that you wouldn't be a sheep if you didn't have a choice in it, right? Uh, well, I believe the scriptures are very, very clear. That there's a clear choice and you're held accountable for that choice. If you reject the Lord, it says it's because you suppress the truth and you're without excuse and, you know, you know, you know turn ye, turn ye. Why will you not turn, the Lord says to Israel. What more, he says, in Isaiah 5, could have I done for my vine than that which I've done? You know, And there's all these, you know, I'm saying these things that you may uh, be, be saved, that you might have life, but you refuse to come to me that you might have life, John 5. So this is a clear choice. It's Romans 1 that says people are without excuse. The best excuse on Judgment Day ever is if you weren't saved, the best excuse you could possibly come up with was you predestined me to damnation. I had no choice before the foundation of the world, right? Or you didn't predestine me life for some reason before I even existed. So what do you mean no excuse? But there's no excuse because it's our choice. We reject, as it says in Jonah chapter 2, the NIV translation, Uh, talks about idolaters, reject the grace of God that could be theirs. Don't reject God's saving grace, amen. Make sure you are among the sheep. Please turn to John chapter 10, a beautiful, glorious promise. You hear me reference this promise often. Uh, In John chapter 10, verse 27 and 28, Jesus identifies his sheep and he so pertaining to the question is who are the sheep my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me you want to know who sheep are those who hear his voice those who know him right and those who follow him amen and it's interesting because at every funeral even of non-believers who want nothing to do with Jesus often they'll read the 23rd psalm the lord is my shepherd I shall not want right he, you know, want me to be in need. He makes me lie down by the still waters, you know. Rod and his staff comfort me and all these wonderful promises. And they'll apply them to the deceased who was a drunkard, often an adulterer, rebellion toward God, use God's name in vain, want nothing to do with Jesus. But that is so quoted. That's the most quoted psalm at funerals that I, that I could think of, isn't it? And it's applied to the person who died. You know, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This guy's in heaven with the Lord. And it breaks my heart. Because people are wanting to comfort themselves, thinking this guy's saved. And, and Millions of times that passage has been misapplied. Are you with me today? Yes, sir. And people are dying in their sins. Because Jesus says his sheep what? Hear his they hear his voice, they know him, and they follow him. Amen. His words, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Amen? Mm-hmm. Jesus said, enter the straight gate, the narrow gate, for straight is the way it leads to life, and few are those who find it. But he said, but the, the broad gate, and the broad road leads to death, and many are those that, find that, that are on that road. Which road are you on today? Are you following the good shepherd? And I love, man, the, I love the, the picture of the shepherd from Genesis to Revelation, you get the shepherd. In Genesis, you see that Abraham is a shepherd. He's a shepherd. Uh, he leaves Ur of uh, Mesopotamia, and which is modern-day Iraq area. And he leaves there, and God chooses to make an entire new nation out of him. Amen. And he is a shepherd. And then you read in, uh, that Isaac was a shepherd, and that his neighbors envied him so much that they... Asked him to move away because he was so successful as a shepherd. There in Genesis chapter 26, verses 12 through 16. Abraham, Isaac, then Isaac's son Jacob. Uh, Jacob uh, was a uh, shepherd. Uh, and it's interesting, Jacob was a pretty successful shepherd as well, right? Remember what he did with the animals? You know, pretty crazy. And then Joseph, after he's rejected by his brothers who represent the 12 tribes of Israel, right? Uh, and he's right hand of Pharaoh, another powerful picture. Uh, Jesus at the right hand of the Father giving bread to the world. Uh, You know, Joseph, when he sees his brethren, here's how he describes his father, Jacob, and his brothers, the leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel. And the men are shepherds, for they have been keepers of livestock, and they have brought their flocks and their herds, and all that they have. They brought them when they came seeking bread, because they heard there was bread in Egypt. And he describes them as a bunch of shepherds. Isn't that interesting? And of course, Joseph was a shepherd too. Now, I love Psalm 23.1. We alluded to it earlier. The Lord is what? My he is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. If the Lord Jesus is your shepherd, you shall not be in want. Amen? That's a beautiful, beautiful promise. Because guess what? Everybody lacks spiritually and physically. But when we seek first Jesus and his kingdom and his righteousness, amen, he meets all of our needs according to his riches and glory. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Jesus said, right? And all these things will be added unto you. We have spiritual needs met. We have physical needs met. I love all the scriptures that deal with him being a shepherd. Uh, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11 says, He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. And we could go through Psalm chapter 23. It's a beautiful psalm. I've gone through it a couple times here at Blessed Hope as a pastor we we'll probably do pretty soon for one but i wanted to look at the scriptures more broadly as to who are the sheep how do you identify them and we know who the good shepherd is his name is jesus amen we need a shepherd as sheep because sheep are some of the most defenseless creatures on earth i mean think about it they're very very defenseless they can't do much they can make noise they can't even barely run you know you ever come up to a sheep and watch it, hear it growl and bear its teeth? Ah! No. They're not scary at all, you know. I mean, sheep, you know, at least cats can claw you, right? They have some kind of defense. and They can be pretty nasty if you get cat in the corner. I know that because I was a bad little kid. They can scratch you really good. Pick them by the tail, they're real mean. Yeah, I was a sinner. Saved by God's grace, you know. Uh, so they don't have much in the way of defense. They can kick a little bit, but big deal. You think it, even a coyote can kill a, a lamb, you know. So it's interesting. They can't defend themselves that, that well. And that's why they need what? The shepherd, amen? And compared to other creatures, when you look at us like other creatures, we have dominion over the earth, amen? Yes. But we're compared to sheep. We're not compared to sheep in the contrast, contrast with other physical creatures. We're compared to sheep, compared to Satan in the demonic realm, okay? How do I know that? Because the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil walks about as a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And just a few verses before that, in chapter 5, he talks about Jesus is the shepherd of the flock, the chief shepherd. Amen? So the context is, right before that, we're the flock of sheep. And Satan is like a roaring lion seeking to devour us. And compared to him, we have no personal, physical resources because the weapons of our warfare are not what? Carnal. Amen? But mighty through God is pulling down his strongholds. We wrestle not, it says, against flesh and blood. He's not talking about flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world. Spiritual weakness in high places. So compared to Satan. So you can say, how am I sheep compared to other animals and creatures? Well, first of all, you'll say other animals. We're not animals, right? But according to other creatures, we're not. We're compared to sheep as a comparison to the spiritual world. We're dead meat, man, without the Lord. Amen? So this is really, really critical that we get this and that we, we understand that, that we can't really defend ourselves against the enemy. If you're backslidden, it's like, I'll beat Satan on my own. Ooh, no, you are just toast, you know? He's a roaring lion. He's going to devour you. That's why it says resist him steadfast in the faith. That's the only way you get victory, is through faith in the Lord. And it's very important that we understand this. And so, uh, and another way, reason that being compared to sheep, it's not really a compliment when you're compared to sheep, you know, in the world, right, in nature, because sheep are also not just one of those defenseless creatures. They're one of the dumbest creatures, okay? You know, and I know we we wish the Lord say, you know, you are like dolphins, you know, or something like that, something, oh, thank you, Lord, you know, I'm like a dolphin. No, you're like a sheep, and it's like, whoa, but then again, we're more intelligent than dolphins, so how are we like sheep compared to the spiritual realm that we're at war with? And it's an invisible realm. Many have experienced the darkness, many have had, you know, experiences when you're sleeping at night or not only just demonic nightmares but even when you're awake demonic entities they're very real and we need the good shepherd sees all that we don't see it all right you know sheep don't have the best eyes they don't have the best you know it's important that we understand it, it, that they're not really intelligent unless they have the mind of their shepherd unless they follow their shepherd because sent, sheep do not have a sense good sense of direction at all they don't have a good sense of direction at all. Uh, and the Bible says in Psalm, or Isaiah 53, 6, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. So uh, sheep going astray is a common metaphor used in the scripture of the Lord's people when they don't seek his direction and they don't follow his direction. So they have a, uh, they're not smart for the most part and they're, they lack direct, a sense of direction and it's, been, it's known through the ages that sheep will follow each other, sometimes right off a cliff. Not just one or two. Sometimes hundreds of sheep will follow to their death following the other sheep just off a cliff. You say, that's so stupid. Yeah, it is. In fact, this was a, a news a story I saw on Fox News. Fox News story titled, 40 Turkish Sheep Leap to Their Deaths. Whoa. I'm sorry, 450 450 Turkish sheep leaped to their deaths. And I quote one of the paragraphs, Istanbul, Turkey. First one sheep jumped to his death, then stunned Turkish shepherds who had left the herd to graze while they had breakfast. Watch, they watched as nearly 1,500 others followed, each leaping off the same cliff. Turkish media reported, but now only a few families have uh, sheep left. It's going to be hard for us, people that were in the area. That's just amazing. Now, it's like, well, wait a minute. Was it 1,500 that leapt off to their death? Or did anybody catch that? Or 450. After the first 450 leapt to their death, below in the ravine, far down the cliff, it was like one giant, big, fluffy pillow. So the other ones who are jumping to were just living. So about 1,050 ended up living because they, you know, smashed into this big, fluffy wonderful pillow. Oh, thank you, Lord. You answered our prayers. They gave their lives, those sheep laid their lives down for those sheep, you know. The sheep that didn't die weren't any more intelligent than the sheep that went down, unless one said, I'm getting the back, it'll be fluffy, but I don't think that's what happened, you know. So it's just really, really bizarre, you know. Uh, So it's not a compliment when we're like sheep, but it's the Lord giving us a sober warning, you know. Yeah, in the world, you have wisdom, uh, defense is because of the wisdom and knowledge. We're not the fastest creature, but we have dominion over the other creatures. Yeah, you're very intelligent. But when it comes to the spiritual world, without the sh- guidance of the good shepherd, without the word of the Lord, right, we're pretty dumb. You say, how could people do that? How could sheep do that? How-? Well, people do that all the time. You ever hear that saying, don't follow your friend blindly just off a cliff? You know? Or Jesus said the blind, if the blind follow the blind, they'll both fall into a ditch. That came way back then, right? Now, right now, I mean, how many people follow fads? How many people follow what's popular? How many stick their finger in the air? Oh, I guess it's okay to kill little innocent babies in the womb. Oh, I guess it's okay to smoke drugs and and do things that are just destroying my brain cells. Oh, I guess it's okay to get drunk and, and go to a party and then drive home. Or just get drunk, period, and burn a bunch of dendrite brain cells or and you have millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions millions of lost sheep out there that are just, you know, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Not everyone comes to the Lord. Now, uh, Jesus warned us about this being spiritually blinded, and in Mark 6, 24, 34 I love this because it shows how compassionate the good shepherd is to the sheep when he went ashore he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and he began to uh, teach them many things so sometimes a ton of non-believers are called sheep because they're like sheep without a shepherd amen so when someone says I'll never be a sheep well you already are a sheep you're a lost sheep okay you're not a sheep that belongs to the Lord you're not one of his sheep but you're a sheep But the question is is whether you'll be a smart sheep or a dumb sheep, okay? Smart sheep follow the good shepherd, amen? Dumb sheep follow others off the cliff into eternal perdition and damnation to the lake of fire. Because Jesus said, he that's not with me is against me. He that gathers with, not with me, you know, scatters abroad. Jesus said of the non-believers that weren't following him, you are your father, the devil, okay? There's only two choices, Okay, there's true sheep. Follows the Lord, the Lord's sheep, and lost sheep which actually become goats. Okay, in the end, and that's what the Word of God warns is that you can end up being a goat in the end. And many are there's different metaphors used for the same people. So you could be like lost sheep, but if you're not following Jesus, these lost sheep we had compassion on, many of them didn't follow him any longer, and some would just come. Many of them just coming to hear him, they're also goats. So it's kind of interesting. Now, we need to follow our maker. Amen? We need to follow our creator. We need to follow the good shepherd. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Uh, So when you read it, the Lord is my shepherd. The Yahweh is my shepherd, right? Mm -hmm. I shall not be in want. That's Jesus. There's another Yahweh, by the way, using him. They're all over the Old Testament. Listen to Psalm 80, verse 1. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim. Shine forth amen and it's awesome call upon the great shepherd to shine forth and lighten your path and lead you and be with you Isaiah forty eleven, he will be like a, a flock uh, um, he will tend his flock like a shepherd he will gather his lambs in his arms I referenced that earlier 1st uh, Peter two twenty five, for you were strained like sheep but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls amen the, in fact, shepherd is second, I think, only to the imagery used of the Father, of God as being a Father, the picture of God as a Father. Shepherd is like right after that. Throughout the scriptures, it's used so many aw- awesome times as a picture of, of the Father and of the Lord. Uh, Hebrews 13, 20. Now may the God of peace, who brought, again from the, who, who brought you again from the dead... Or, I'm sorry. Now, may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. she's not just the good shepherd. That's awesome. He's the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant. He gathered Israel. Is Israel scattered after they rejected Jesus, their good shepherd? They were scattered, amen. In 70 AD, you know, 40 years almost approximately, after 37, about 38 or so years after they rejected their Messiah, just as it was predicted, the temple would be destroyed and they would be scattered throughout the entire world. But he promised that he would bring them back, those scattered sheep. In fact, we read in Ezekiel thirty-four twelve. listen to this. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. The ultimate fulfillment of the gathering, it's still happening right now. But on the day of the Lord, he'll bring them back, everyone that that calls upon his name. Amen? All the the Jews that call upon his name. All Israel says will be saved. Jeremiah 31.10. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the coastlands far away. Say, he who scattered Israel will gather him, and he will keep him as a shepherd keeps his flocks. And praise God, it's not just a wonderful promise that that the Jews can have this great, wonderful, good shepherd, the chief shepherd, as as Peter calls him as well. But Gentile believers, in John chapter 10, verse 16, Jesus spoke with anticipation regarding his plan to bring Gentiles into the fold. And he says, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Amen? Amen. Praise God, man. Right now, when you read uh, Ephesians chapter 3 and so forth, it talks about how the Lord has joined Gentile believers with Jews into one body. Amen. In Romans chapter 11, uh, we see that the olive tree, the branches, some were broken off, that Gentile believers may be grafted in among the natural branches that were not broken off. So Jews and Gentiles are united in one body, the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. However, that does not erase the distinction that there is still national Israel and that God's bringing his people back also that don't even know him in, our, in unbelief according to Ezekiel chapter 34, 35, 36, 37, 38. And that he'll bring them back in unbelief. And that one day, according to Zechariah chapter 12, all Old Testament passages I'm quoting now, they'll see the one they pierced. Amen? They have pierced their own shepherd. And they'll be cleansed. The fountain of cleansing will be open to them. It's just so uh, beautiful. Now, he is the good shepherd. I know I've said we're going to talk about who the sheep are. We have been. But we need to talk about the good shepherd, of course a bit, and who he is, and how we need him, amen, it's all ultimately about Jesus, and living for him, and giving him glory, but I want you to look at this passage again, because you're either in, you're either a sheep, or you're not, you're either one of the Lord's sheep, or you are not, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, my sheep what, hear my voice, do you know the word hear right there is not in the past tense, doesn't say heard my voice, it's in the present tense, and I know them, and they follow me, Guess what tense follow is in? Not the past or punctiliar or aorist, as we'd say in the Greek, aorist is past. But it's in present, linear, continuous tense. They follow me means they continue to follow me. They hear me and they keep hearing me. They follow and they keep following me. And I give eternal life to them and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. I love that, man. Look at verse 29. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of, my, out of the father's hand. I and the father are what? One. Wow. Yeah, he's the father or one. Is he claiming to be God? Absolutely. Look at the very next verse. Yep. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Yep. Okay. And they said, because you're making yourself God. Verse 33 at the end there. Hey, def- they knew exactly what he's claiming to be. He is God. And by the way, no one can snatch us out of the father's hand or of his hand what an awesome promise, but who's that promise to, just any old funeral, where someone says, you know, dearly beloved, and you know, this guy, who's, you know, super rebellious, and he's not going to say that, the Lord is a shepherd, he's, you know, dwelling in the house of the Lord forever, the goodness and mercy follow him all the days of his life, and on and on, it's like, you guys, that does not bless people in the end, because every time you say that, of somebody people know is rejecting Jesus, not following Jesus, you're basically letting them know that they're going to heaven and they don't need to turn to Jesus. Do you understand why, why that's important not to do that? Yes. And it's really tough as a pastor, I know. I've had to do a, two or three funerals. It's the most heartbreaking thing in the world of people like, mm, ah, man, I don't know. It looks like they weren't, you know. And I let whoever asked me to do the funeral, I'll let you know that I'll do the funeral. But I'm not going to say, and it's the hardest thing to do. But I'd rather be, Right with God then be a hypocrite and a liar and lead people astray. And it's the hardest thing to do. But unfortunately, most pastors, just everybody's in heaven every time they do a funeral. Even in evangelical churches, it often happens. We can't do that. Okay? Uh, John ten twenty seven and 28. Uh, uh, a renowned uh, Baptist preacher in the past, Dale Moody, uh, in his systematic theology, The Word of Truth, A Summary of Christian Doctrine, Based on Biblical Revelations, the subtitle. Listen to what he says in these verses. I thought this was very, very, very good. I, I you know, cut and paste this years and years ago because I love what he says here. Uh, and he was a seminary professor. He says, Eternal life is the life of those who continue to follow Jesus. No one can retain eternal life who turns away from Jesus. John 10, 28 is frequently used as a security blanket by those who ignore many of the New Testament warnings about going back or falling away. But a literal translation of John 10, 27, and 28, all the sentence hardly needs explanation for it is a promise to those who continue to follow Jesus. Not for a moment do I doubt this literal translation, and he gives his literal translation, quote, of John 10, 27, and 28. My sheep keep on hearing my voice. And I keep on knowing them, and they keep on following me, and I keep on giving them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. Some read this passage, Moody goes on to say, as if it says, quote, My sheep heard my voice, and I knew them, and they followed me, and I gave them eternal life. The verbs are present linear, indicating continuous action by the sheep and by the shepherd, not the the punctiliar fallacy of the past tense. Obviously, those who follow Jesus will not perish. But what about those disciples who, quote, drew back and no longer went about with him, end quote? He's quoting the the passages from the Gospel of John. So it's important that we understand that the sheep are those who continue to follow Jesus, continue to hear his voice. Don't think you could be drunk at a bar hitting on women, you know, and going sleeping around and snorting coke or doing meth and doing all that stuff and say, you know what, praise God, I'm I'm one of the sheep and no one can snatch him out of my hand. That's not who he's talking, he's talking to those who continually follow him. Amen? This is serious stuff. And I tell you what, man, I, I don't hesitate to preach the truth. I don't even think, should I hold back? I don't think. That's not the way I think. I think, Lord, help me be faithful to your word. I'm going to stand before you. Let not many of you seek to be teachers, for you shall have a greater judgment. Amen? Uh, James chapter 3, verse 1. And if I didn't, and if I thought, oh, no, I'll be fine. I'm still concerned about your souls as my brothers and sisters in Christ whom I love. And as people that come to visit and people listen through the airways and our podcast families and so forth, we, I want the best for you. I want you to know Jesus. And I don't want you to be under some deception and delusion thinking you're saved when you're not. Any, am, amen. Now. So in John 15, you know, nobody shall snatch okay us from his hands. That's true of those who are what? Following, Following Jesus. Past tense or present tense? Present, present tense. And by the way, I don't worry. You shouldn't be concerned. And we should look at this passage and say, praise God. We have incredible security in Christ. If you are in Christ, you have, you have eternal security. You are eternally, I believe you are eternally secure in Christ. Okay, that, I believe in eternal security in Christ. In Christ, we have the best security. There's no way you could be lost. It's impossible for you to be lost if you are in Christ. Are you with me? Yes, that's, sir. That's the key. That's the biblical eternal security that we should teach. Amen. It's conditioned upon faith. It's conditioned upon truly following him, truly knowing him, truly hearing his voice, not tuning him out. And these are very important metaphors and, and pictures that are used with regard to the sheep and the, and, and the shepherd because it goes from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And when I was asked that question, how do you identify the sheep yesterday? And by the way, I had mentioned to this brother that I was going to be preaching a message uh, a lot, with regard to the Gospel of John, to a degree, oh, probably a few a month earlier or so, you know, I thought, man, I need to be faithful to what I said I'd do because I was planning on it. I said, I'm just going to do it this Sunday. So it was question and answer time Wednesday. We had a great time. If you did not at that message, you didn't hear it, you know, go ahead and check it out. Uh, but this is one important question. And by the way, we, we can't be snatched out. The Greek word, by the way, for being snatched there is harpazo. I, I love that Greek word because of how it's used in a positive sense elsewhere. It's the word that's used of what? Do you remember? Rapture. Of the rapture. Amen, Israel. It's used of the rapture in First Thessalonians chapter 4, how we'll be caught up to meet in the air. The word's harpazo. And it has to be doing, the word means to be seized. Uh, in fact, it's interesting. Uh, I was looking at uh, F.W. Danker's Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament. states it means, quote, to grab or seize suddenly so as to remove or gain control. So in the rapture, the Lord's going to catch us up to meet him in the air. Amen? We're already in his hand. He's going to lift his hand up, man. Boom. You guys are coming with me. Amen? But thankfully, the enemy can't devour us. And thankfully, Satan can't snatch us out of his hands. Amen? However, the scriptures don't say that as a sheep that you can't go astray. The scriptures warn about that over and over again. Amen? The scriptures don't say that you can't leave his hand. In fact, in the scriptures, go to John 15. We need to affirm both John 10 and John 15. And there's those who affirm John 10 and ignore John 15. Oh, I'm just going to, John 10. Oh, John 15, I don't know what that really means. But, uh. <laughs> and it's like, there's others who affirm John 15 and are like, yeah, you got to abide in Christ. Dah, dah, dah. But they don't affirm John 10. And it's like, anytime you sin, you're lost, you know. And, and you don't have security. We've affirmed here, you have security in Christ. Okay, you need to affirm both sides of the coin. There's God's responsibility, and he never fails in his responsibility. But then there's our responsibility as a sheep to listen to the voice of the shepherd, amen, and follow him. But sheep have a propensity. How many you know that? How many you know that exists in your flesh, that we have a propensity to go astray? And that temptation is very real. And while Satan can't devour us, we have to resist him steadfast in the faith. So why? Because he can devour us if what? because he's going around looking for someone to devour, resist him steadfast in the faith. He can't devour you or snatch you out while you are abiding in Christ. But if you don't resist him steadfast in the faith and you are lured by his temptations, does anybody know believers, true children of God, who have been lured by temptation, have gotten off the path? How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but many of you have in the past, amen? And all of us have to one degree or another when we haven't been and none of us are perfect before the Lord. So we have to be careful in our walks with the Lord. So it's very, very important to understand. In John 15, he's talking to his apostles. And he's not talking to Judas. Judas already left and he committed apostasy way back in chapter 13. He's talking to 11 elect apostles who he said he's chosen in this chapter. And then in verse 2, he says, or verse 1, Jesus says, I'm the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser." All the vines we see with, you know, branches sticking out of them and grapes, those are vines, but they're not the true vine. Jesus didn't just pick a metaphor and say, oh, that's interesting. I'll use the vine as a picture of me. And the, the gardener will be the father and the branches will be my disciples. Oh, that's interesting. I'll use that. No, God, Jesus is the true vine from eternity past. This was God's plan already. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he made vines, grapevines, to be a picture of who he is. That's why he says, I am the true vine. When he says, I am the door, Right. Oh, well, he just, oh, he must. Have, he's so smart. He saw a door. He said, oh, that's like what I am. No, he created doors to you, for you to understand that you need to take the right door. And he is the door. Amen. When he said, I'm the good shepherd, he didn't, shepherds aren't an accident. Oh, they're shepherds. That's kind of like what I am. No, he created shepherds to show us what a good shepherd is. When he says, I'm the bread of life, right? He already is going to be the bread of life for our salvation. He creates bread so we understand the importance of needing something. And man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of the Father. Must I go on? Are you understanding with me today? Yes, sir. We're talking about spiritual reality, man. And that's where life is at. Is the true life is in him. Jesus says the thief comes to still kill and destroy in the context of the shepherd versus Satan. And the thief could be Satan or anybody there. It applied to a lot of different those who would come to still kill and destroy, but Satan's the main one, right? That it would apply to. But I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. But he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. So where does he take the branch that doesn't bear fruit? What does he do to it? Look at chapter 15, verse 6. If anyone, by the way, by the way, are these people clean? Is he talking to saved people? Look at verse 3. You are already what? Clean Clean because the word which I have spoken to you. He's only talking to people that have been saved. Okay. If the disciples were to die that very night, they'd be with... The Lord, in, well, Abraham's bosom until Jesus died on the cross. Amen? Amen. So he's talking to those who've been cleansed, who are, in, who are branches that are in the vine. Verse 6 says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch that dries up. So the branch dries up, meaning at one time was what? It was a believer. In the vine. Amen? And if we're in the vine, the Bible says, if anyone be in Christ, he's what? A new, a new creation. All things have passed away, behold, all things become new. They're clean. They're apostles if anyone does not abide, the Greek words meno remain in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Whoa. That's heavy stuff. I don't want to, I don't want to soften that at all. We just need to heed the warnings. Amen. Abiding Christ means to continue to trust him, to continue to follow him. The great 18th, or I should say uh, He was actually in the 1800s. Alexander McLaren, the great Baptist preacher out of uh, Scotland. One of the great, he's been called, the uh, Spurgeon was called the Prince of Preachers. He was called the the Prince of Expositors. Uh, Alexander McLaren, uh, an incredible way, uh, words and and driving the gospel in in very beautiful picturesque ways throughout so much of his writing. But when you get to his commentary, I checked out his commentary years ago on John 15. and In verse 6 he says, it's the habit of many in his day to put little patches over verse 6. So people don't heed that warning. And he travails in his writing over that, that people aren't hearing the warning. That this is serious. This warns that you can be cut off from the vine. The Bible doesn't teach once in the vine, always in the vine. Okay? So while the enemy, so if we're trusting Jesus, we're following him, right? What does it mean to abide? John 15? To keep hearing. To keep following. Amen? To keep knowing Jesus. And the vine represents what? Life. Amen? And if we're in the vine, we have? Life. Some say, well, then it was never really eternal life in the first place if we can lose it. The eternal life isn't, doesn't describe what we have in of ourselves because we believed in Jesus. It describes Jesus. Amen. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. life. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. life. John says in 1 John, he that has the Son has the life. He that does not have the Son does not have the life. So as branches, we enjoy Jesus. That's where we get our life from. As we abide in him, we have eternal life. Amen. But if we refuse to abide in him, we don't follow any longer. We don't listen to his voice. And when we go astray, we're cut off, thrown in the fire and burned. It doesn't mean his life was never eternal. It just means we don't what? Participate in it anymore. His life is always eternal. But we do not have life in of ourselves. In him alone exists immortality. Amen. That's what it says in in Timothy. And we only have life in virtue of being connected to the vine. So someone will say, well, you must not have had eternal life in the first place because you can't lose it. Well, where does it say that? It says you can cease to have it. You can cease to experience Jesus. That's what Jesus clearly states here. And it's very important to understand that sheep can go astray. We have to keep following the Lord. In fact, in John fifteen eighteen, he warns, he says to them, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. And uh, remember, he says, the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they would keep yours also. So we have to keep his word. We have to keep hearing his voice. Keep your finger in chapter 15 and just go back. And if you've got a phone, just go back to chapter 8, verse 51. If you've got a phone, don't be doing all your texting right now. Stay in the Word, man. My wife's like, uh, you know, I think some people, they're just like texting and stuff and not hearing the Word. I'm like, hope that's not true. People around are like, thanks, Lisa, you know. Uh, and uh, I said, oh, I'll mention that. And I wasn't planning to mention it, but here it is. But, uh, and I said, yeah, Chad's the worst example. If I look, when I look at Chad, he's always down at his phone texting. And some of you that are around him are thinking, God, Chad's always like looking at his phone. Chad is manning our live stream. He's answering questions. He's encouraging people uh, and so forth. So, Chad is working for the Lord with the occasional look at the Dallas Cowboys score, maybe. I don't know, you know? But, <laughs> but Chad is working as hard as I am up here and as hard as the elders and deacons are working and so forth in his own way, you know? And, uh, <laughs> so, Chad is not being a bad example. He's leading by example. Anyway, in chapter 8, verse 51, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will what? never see death. So if we keep his word, we'll never see death. Now, is he talking about physical death? Come on, guys. Be honest. Is he have a physical death? No. If we keep his word, we'll never see what kind of death? Spiritual death. Obviously, the warning is not a bluff. It's there for a reason. Now, going back to John 15, he's warning that they'll persecute us like they persecuted him, right? How much more are they going to persecute you if they persecuted the master? And then John 16:1, what does he say? These things I have spoken to you so that you may what? Be kept from stumbling. Anybody have another word than stumbling there in their translation? Offended. King James, the New King James, right? It can be translated falling away, falling. The Greek word is scandalizo, which means to trip and fall. Okay? It's the same Greek word that's used in Matthew 24. When Jesus says, he talks about the last days, that we false Christ and false prophets, the love of many will grow cold, uh, lawlessness will increase, you know, many will be deceived, he says. And he says, and many will fall away. Scandalizo, okay? Straight to fall away there, okay? He says these things to us that we need to abide in Him, right? So we don't, and that we're going to be persecuted. In the midst that persecution, we need to abide in Him. And that He's going to give us the power of the Holy Spirit, which He says a whole lot about. I've just done a f- two or three studies on the, three or four studies in the last few months on the Holy Spirit. Uh, so uh, He gives us the power of the Holy Spirit to strengthen us, to comfort us, amen? But He warns us that we have to abide in Him. He's telling us these things ahead of time so we don't fall away. As sheep... The good shepherd warns his sheep, right, that they have eternal life and no one can stash them away as long as they're what? Hearing his voice continually as long as they continue to follow him. But he also warns that they need to abide in him because they can fall away. He's telling them these things so they fall fall away. So if we put all the scripture together, don't ignore any of it. We just say, "Mm, yeah, it does say both those things. If we're not saying both those things, that we have security in Christ, but that we need to abide in Christ or else, then we're not preaching the whole counsel of God. And if I don't preach the whole counsel of God, I will have blood on my hands. And anybody that has blood on their hands because they haven't preached the whole counsel, God needs to say, God, have mercy on me. Forgive me because he died for your sins. But you need to get right now, right? And and change your theology to match the scripture. Amen? And by the way, we're on good grounds because prior to Augustine, the Roman Catholic theologian in the 4th century, the first few centuries of church history, they just preached it right off the page like this. They gave the promises and the warnings. And now the church has been... You know, accepted a form of Augustinianism, who was a Gnostic for nine or ten years, which were highly deterministic, and he brought his Gnosticism into the church and started teaching that, th- that people are determined one way or another and have no choice in their salvation. And John Calvin picked that up in the 1500s, a thousand years later, and then it spread through the churches. And now, guess what? We have a Gnostic hangover in the church. Yes, we do. And certain church, church, church fathers says some people teach, some them, said the Gnostics teach that some are saved in such a way that they cannot be lost. And they're lost in such a way that they can't be saved. Mm-hmm. Determinism. And that wasn't the belief of the early church. In fact, Irenaeus, the top apologist of the early church period, he uses scriptures like, you know, to say that it's not governed by fate as to where we end up in eternity. And he quotes uh, Matthew chapter 23. How often I would have gathered together as a hen does her chicks, but your children together as hen does her chicks, but you were unwilling, you see. And in other words, then he goes on to say, obviously they had a will where they could refuse to respond. To his voice. Amen? So we need to understand that we have a huge responsibility here. And the scriptures are very, very clear. Now, if we go astray, remember in Luke chapter 15, Jesus leaves the 99 sheep. The shepherd leaves the 99 sheep to go after the one, right? Now that one sheep that he goes after, what's the condition of that sheep? He's lost. And then Jesus presses the analogy in a stronger way with a greater illustration. And he goes into the prodigal son. And when the, the prodigal son comes back, he says, my son was lost, but now he's what? Found. found. He was a son, but he was lost. While he was lost, he was lost. When he came back and listened to the master's voice or his father's voice, he was found. And he says, my son was dead. dead. Was he dead physically or spiritually? Spiritually, spiritually but now he's what? Alive. Alive again. Are you with me today? Yes, sir. Man. So sheep can go astray and not, and not obey his word anymore, and now they're in danger of death. It's very, very important to understand how serious this is, because all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Sheep have a propensity to go astray. First Peter 2.25, you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Psalm 119, 176, I have strayed like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I have not forgotten your commandments. Praise God that he seeks out his sheep amen Amen. Matthew 26 but don't say sheep can't fall away that's a lie Matthew 26 31 says then Jesus said to them you shall all fall away because of me this night for it is written I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered okay the scriptures are real clear that sheep can fall away John 10 my sheep are the ones who keep hearing my voice right I keep knowing them they keep following me and I keep giving them eternal life But then he goes on to say, but you can refuse to abide, right? And be cut off, thrown into the fire, and be burned. Why would we hesitate to preach the whole counsel of God? Now, uh, so we need to make sure as the Lord's sheep that we are abiding in him, of course. And look what Jesus says to the sheep in Luke 12. Go to Luke 12. Back a couple books if you're in John. Luke 12. Go ahead and pick it up at verse 32. Because I want to hit a couple of verses here. And Jesus is warning them. Who is he talking to here, by the way? In a few verses earlier, you'll see he's addressing his disciples. Verse 22, and he said to his disciples, right? Then verse 32, do not be afraid. Little what? Little flock. Little flock, little flock of what? Birds? No. What Little flock of what? Was he? little f- he's talking to the little flock, the few that have entered the, the, the narrow gate. What's he say? Little flock, your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. He's talking about them having a relationship with the Father. These are those that are true, genuine believers. It's important to get that. Then look what he says in verse 35. Be dressed in readiness and keep your what? Lamps lit. He doesn't say, make sure you light your lamps and you're saved. No, he says, keep your lamps lit. Because they're already a little flock. They already have a relationship with the Father. And the lamps are lit like the virgins, right? They need to keep them lit, right? Then look at verse 43. Verse 43. Blessed is that slave... Whom his master finds so doing when he comes, and he's talking about the good servant, the good servant who gives out meat, the Lord's word in due season, who's faithful to give out meat consistently in due season. And then he says, verse forty-four: Truly, I say that he will, I will, uh, that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that slave, what slave, the good servant? He just called him the good servant earlier. If the good servant says, my master will be a long time in coming, and begins to beat the slaves, both men and women, and to eat and drink with and get drunk. The master of that slave, that's the good servant who becomes a bad servant, who is part of the flock, who has a relationship with the father, whose lamp was once lit. The master of that slave will come at a day when he does not expect him. At an hour he does not know, and he will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. Is that heaven? No, unbelievers. That's hell. Like a fire. Verse 47, and the slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready to act in accord with his will will receive many lashes. So many lashes will be cut in pieces. That's pretty amazing. But the one who did not know it and committed uh, deeds worthy of flogging will receive but few. From everyone who has been given much, much more will be required. Or uh, much will be required. And to whom they entrusted much to him, they will ask all the more. Okay. Uh, so the sheep need to keep following Jesus you know sheep can can backslide yes, sir. they can fall on their back and that's a terrible position for a sheep how many of you have seen sheep sunbathing on their backs they don't sunbathe there's a problem okay it's sincere and the bible warns about backsliding proverbs 14 14 all scriptures by the way profitable for doctrine and teaching amen proverbs 14 14 the backslider in heart uh, will have his fill of his own ways but a good man will be satisfied with his. Jeremiah 3.22, return faithless people. I will cure your backsliding. So he comes after the sheep. He wants to cure them from their, their backsliding, uh, but some never return. Jeremiah 8.5, why then has this people turned away in perpetual backsliding? They hold fast to deceit. They refuse to return. The Hebrew word for backsliding is meshubah. Now, meshubah, the root of that word meshubah means to return. And it talks, it's the Context is returning to your old vomit or t- returning to your wallow in the mire, a pig that is washed, cleansed, then goes back to its, the mud. It's going back to your old life before Christ. That's what backsliding is. The New Testament equivalent is the word apostasy, okay? Falling away or, or scandalizo when it's used in the context of turning away from the Lord. And yes, sheep, the sheep of his hand, who he guards and protects, have a choice. Go to Psalm 95. Psalm 95 and this is, a, this is an important one. Go ahead and read Psalm 95 with me. It's a pretty short Psalm. Verse one. Oh, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. The Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods, in whose hand are the depths of the earth. The peaks of the mountains are his also. The sea is his. And it goes on to say, for it was he who made it and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us worship and bow down. Remember that song? Come, let us worship and bow down. The way we sing that that chorus, so beautiful. We need to do that soon. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. He is our God and we are his people. Then what does it say? And we are the people of his, what? Pasture and the what? Sheep of his hand. I love that. Today, if you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Ooh, does that sound familiar? Yes. So his sheep who are in his hand have a choice, and they need to make a choice not to let their hearts get hard. Okay? Not to get hardened at the Lord. Amen. Not to turn away from the Lord. Okay? This is is he talking to sheep here? Yes or no? Yes. Is he talking to special sheep here? He's talking to the sheep of his hand? Yes. yes. Okay. Today, if you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. As at Meribah. As in the day of Masa in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me, they tried me. Though they had seen my work for 40 years, I loathe that generation. And said they are people who err in their heart, and they do not know my ways. Therefore, I swore in my anger, truly, they shall not, what? Enter into my rest. Okay, now this is very, very important. Because as sheep, we have a choice still. It's not by divine, fiat, unilateral determination you're determined to be his sheep or not. His sheep are those who respond to his loving call, who respond to his grace. And in chapter 74, verse 1 of the book of Psalms, it says, Why have you rejected us forever, O God? Why does your anger burn against the sheep of your pasture? Okay? Now, This is why Hebrews chapter 3, and I won't go through a lot of Hebrews because we did that recently, but I want to go through a little bit because guess what? That passage right there when it's talking about his sheep going astray and not hearing his voice, the sheep of his hand, is then carried over to warn believers. We're the sheep of his hand. We're, according to chapter 13 of Hebrews, he's our good shepherd, and the same incident the wilderness experience, specifically Meribah, is brought up. Hebrews 3.1. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling. We're holy brethren. We're the Lord's sheep. We are this heavenly calling. Consider Jesus. He's the chief shepherd, right? The apostle and high priest of our confession. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. Therefore, just, verse 7, therefore, and 8, therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as when they provoked me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. You see what's happening there? He's warning that even though, how does Jesus define a sheep? Please understand this. He defines them as those who continue to what? Hear his voice. But his sheep have a free will. They can respond and they can harden their hearts. Okay? And he's saying today, the Holy Spirit even says, today if you hear his heart, do not harden your hearts as in when they provoke me as in the day of trial in the wilderness. See, he's saying his sheep can harden their hearts and cease to hear the word of the Lord. Not enter into the eternal pasture. In fact, in three twelve through fifteen, he says a few verses later, "Take care, brethren, that there not be any of you an evil unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God." But encourage one another day after day, as long as it's still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Wow, mm-hmm. verse fifteen. While well, it said today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. So, in other words, you could have a soft heart that can become hard. Okay. He's talking about those who don't have a hard heart but can become hard-hearted by sin and cease to hear the voice of the Lord. Hebrews 4, 1. Therefore, let us fear if while a promise of remaining, of entering into his rest, and any of one one of you should seem to come short of it. For he says, somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Verse 5. And again in the passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them, failed to enter because of disobedience. He again fixes a certain day. Today saying, through David, after so long a time, he's quoting, he's referring to Psalm 95 we just read. Mm-hmm. Through David, for so long a time, just as has been said before, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. You guys, he's quoting Psalm 95 about the sheep of his pasture who can go astray, yet we know who the sheep are. John 10, 27, 28, and 29. They're the ones that continue to hear his voice, continue to follow him, continue to know him, continue to have eternal life, continue to abide in the vine, and continue to accept and receive the life that comes from the vine the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. But it's not those who say, no, Lord, I'm tuning you out. I was a sheep once, and I'll always be a sheep no matter what happens. And, and they'll probably read, at most churches, if you die in rejection of Jesus, not wanting anything to do with him, just doing your own thing, they'll probably read Psalm 23 at your funeral. Or they might. But that's not what saves you. The good shepherd saves you and you must put your faith in him. Otherwise, you're in huge trouble because Jesus is Jesus that saves and there's no other sacrifice, no other salvation outside of Christ. And why would you neglect such a great, wonderful salvation? Your life is a blink compared to eternity. Why do you even take a chance with your life? Ridiculous. Follow Jesus. You're going to be a sheep either way. You're either going to be a sheep that follows the devil, that becomes a goat on his side, or you're going to be following the good shepherd. Now, sheep do fall on their backs and I think that's a powerful picture God gave us because when a sheep falls on its back guess what when they're on their backs it's very hard for them to get up they kick especially if they have a heavy fleece and that's it's being called cast down they need help to get up if you've been cast down and you're on your back your back slidden you need to call upon the Lord you're not going to get back on the right path by yourself that's why you need his grace you need his saving grace through what he did on the cross amen we also need His enabling grace. I've talked to people that have been backslidden, and they're like, "Man, it's so hard to come back." You need to cry out to the Lord and ask for mercy, and He'll give you strength. And then I've seen them strengthened, and empowered, and following the Lord again, and then stronger than ever. If a sheep stays on its back for too long, like 24 hours, can be too long because gases build up. They can kill the sheep. 24 hours is about as long as life many of them have on their back. So if you're driving down the road and you see a sheep, you say, your, your wife, why do I pick up the wife? i got to pick up, pick up the husband's work because I'm a guy. And your husband says, wow, honey, isn't that cool that those sheep over there, that sheep over there sunbathing. <laughs> say, honey, pull over. Do the farmer a favor and go tip that thing to its legs. Amen? You'll probably save its life. Amen? And guess what? If you see a brother and he's back sitting and say, oh, well, he's having a good time. Woo, no, he's dead, man, or he's going to die. Go help him walk. Amen? Help restore your brother. You guys, we'll end with Psalm 23. Psalm 23. But you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Psalm 22 in context of Psalm 23. Because Psalm 22 and Psalm 23 go together. What's Psalm 22? It's a what kind of psalm? A messianic psalm, amen, a prophecy about the Messiah. What, what, what do we read about the Messiah? Actually, I believe Psalm 73 was a song written for Jesus by King David. Because there's things in the psalm that never apply to David that we ever know about. that We don't read about them casting lots for David's clothes. We don't read about him being pierced on a cross. His hands and his feet are pierced. This is a psalm, a song that's written for Jesus, a prophecy. In fact, the very first part of the psalm, verse 1 in Psalm 22, is, My God, my God, why hast thou what? Forsaking me that's quoted by jesus on the cross just as it's becoming probably when it becoming dark right and the wrath of god has fallen upon him and it's for his and these psalms are quoted of jesus and if if the good shepherd is a bloody shepherd who's bloodied for us who gives his life jesus says i am the good shepherd in chapter 10 i think around verse 11 of, of john and i lay my life down for my sheep amen before you get to psalm 23 think about it these psalms were meant to be read together the good shepherd is bloodied on our behalf. It's pretty heavy. And you have to have the roof of his mouth. His tongue sticks to his mouth. In Psalm 22, you've got all kinds of things that show Jesus. I'm not saying some of David's life doesn't protrude through that passage. Some of it does, I believe, but it's mostly about Jesus. And that's why we can sing Psalm 23. Because Jesus went through Psalm 22 as the good shepherd, we can follow him and know that he's faithful in chapter 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want or be in need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Wow, he restores my soul and guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. If you're backslidden and on your back and cast down, he can restore your soul, just cry out to him and he'll tip you back up, amen. He'll lead you beside the still waters, amen. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me you uh, your rod and your staff they comfort me you telling me a sheep uh, walking through the valley of shadow shadow woo, death enemy what is he talking about sheep are some of the most freaked out spooked creatures on the planet hear a little noise whoa but because we can put it and that's us against the enemy without jesus but when we have jesus by our side we don't need to fear the enemy amen, amen. are you with me today yes, sir. or this morning it's not night yet hold on we'll get done in a second you prepare the table before me in the presence of my enemies you have anointed my head with oil My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Wow. And I love verse 2. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Do you know sheep only sleep 4 or 5 hours a day? Day and night, 4 or 5 hours? Maybe 15 or more percent of their lives because they sleep. I'm talking about laying down. They only sleep less. They'll sleep 4 hours maybe a night, maybe 5, but they sleep standing up a lot. It's hard to get sheep to lay down. Why? Because they're so vulnerable. But I love this. There's so many things in this psalm. We can cover it over and over again. And there's new things. How are they able to lay down? Because the good shepherd, man. They know the good shepherd's got their back, and no animal, no person, no demon can snatch us from his hands. Are you with me? Yes, sir. Amen. So praise God. There's so much beauty here. I love this tying Psalm 7, 22 with Psalm 73. Because Jesus is the lamb. Sacrifice, 22, right? The shepherd that saves us, verse, chapter 23, chapter 7 of Revelation, verse 17. For the lamb is in the center of the throne, will be their shepherd. Catch that. For the lamb, the lamb, he gave himself as a lamb, is in the center of the throne, will be their shepherd and will guide them to the springs of the water of life and will wipe every tear from their eyes. Amen? He, he is such an awesome God. He leaves... The 99 to go after the one. How much so? Remember when he took that boat trip and there was a huge storm and he rebuked the storm? Where was he going? Do you know where he's going? In Mark 4? To the Gadarenes to deliver a demoniac from a legion of demons. He's going after that one. So if you say, well, don't, why would he go after me? I've been so bad. I've been so horrible. This guy was possessed by a legion of demons and he crossed the Sea of Galilee to go after that one soul. And he rebuked the wind. And the word rebuke is the same word used of rebuking demons throughout the Gospel of Mark because Satan was trying to stop him. There's a lot going on. We can go through a lot of these teachings over and over again and see new nuggets because they're so rich. Well, would he leave? where he was at a place of comfort and go through a storm and and Satan trying to kill him and then rebuke the waves and or his disciples and then and then go and he, he restored that guy he was in the tombs cutting himself possessed we are legion for we are many and Jesus cast the demons out man into the pigs right that's amazing love amen well would he do that for you and me absolutely he left heaven a far greater journey, and became a man to save us. That's how awesome our good shepherd is. And whenever we talk about who we are as a sheep, we need to go back to give glory to the good shepherd, amen? We have an awesome, awesome, awesome God. Verse 39 of chapter 4 of Mark, Jesus got up and ordered the wind and the waves to be quiet, and the wind stopped, and everything was calm. Man. But you need to make a choice. You need to put your trust in Jesus you need to recognize that he is the one who gave himself for the sins of the world. John chapter 1, verse 29, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Amen? And there is a choice that needs to be made. You can't say, well, it's inevitable if I go astray. He'll always bring me back. John 15, he left the 9 and he got the one. Ooh, really? Read Matthew 18. Mm-hmm. It says he leaves 99, and if he finds the one, he brings it back. If. Okay? Don't press a parable and try to... Ignore other scriptures on the basis of oppressing a parable because I got another parable that I could do the same thing with. You go by straight up warnings of scripture that we need to abide in Christ. We need to keep hearing Jesus. We need to keep following him. Amen. And then if we're trusting Jesus, if you're trusting Jesus, you're following him, you have absolute eternal security. But it's not unconditional where you can just go do your own thing. It's conditioned upon faith. It's conditional eternal security. So the Bible teaches. Now You have a choice. In John 12, 35 and 36, Jesus said to them, for a little while longer, the light is among you. Walk while you have the light so that the darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you will become what? Sons of light. All of us like sheep have gone astray. But we can all, Jesus said, you have the light with you to the people that were there hearing him. He pleaded with them for to believe, to believe. He said, I'm saying these things to you that you may be saved, but you're unwilling to come to me in John 5 that you might have life. He says, if you don't believe my words, believe my miracles. That doesn't sound like someone who determined people to be damned. Does it? My soteriology is rooted in my Christology, the heart of God. He loves everybody, and everybody has an opportunity to become one of his sheep. Amen? The question is, is will you respond to his voice? And will you do, as Revelation says in chapter 2 and 3 to 7 churches, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says in the churches. We continue to listen. Or we you harden your hearts as they did in Meribah and were wiped out in the wilderness before they even got to the promised land. No, let's enter into our eternal rest and continue to put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Everybody follows somebody. Either you follow Satan or you follow the Lord. There's no other master, or neutral master. You either follow the good shepherd or the evil shepherd. You're either going to be a smart sheep or a dumb sheep. I encourage you to be a smart sheep, man. Follow the good shepherd because he loves you. We love you. We want everybody here to be saved. Amen? Praise God. Let's pass out the cup and the bread and be thankful to our Lord who not only loved us, but as 1011 says of the gospel of John, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. Amen? And then he told us to take the bread and the cup in remembrance of what he did for us. Amen.